Welcome to Jobber's Masters of Home Service podcast, where successful business owners share their secrets for making your business more profitable and efficient. I'm your host, Adam Sylvester, owner of Charlottesville Lawn Care and Charlottesville Gutter Pros for the last 15 years. I truly believe that service entrepreneurs need to come together from different service industries and swap stories, share tips, and learn from each other. By getting together and sharing each other's successes and failures, we can help each other level up. And that's the mission of Masters of Home Service. On today's episode, we're discussing the most important hires to scale your business. Today, we have Andy Wines, the owner of Camo Crew Junk Removal in Butler, Wisconsin. And he's also the host of the Trash Talk Business Podcast. Andy, welcome. Thanks for having me. I know Andy and I both really like what Jobber has done for our businesses. With Jobber, managing the customer experience from estimates to invoicing has never been smoother. Our listeners can get a special discount on a new subscription by going to jobber.com slash podcast deal. Trust me, it'll make your whole business more efficient and more profitable. All right, Andy, tell us about your business. How's it organized? Yeah, our business is Camel Crew Junk Removal. We're in the junk removal subsegment of the overall waste industry. And the way our business works is we we have me as the owner and a company president. And then we basically have our internal teams that run the day-to-day operations. And so as we scaled our business, we looked at where do we need to fill in the gaps. We first started with field employees. So we really focus on our team leaders crew chiefs and junk removal specialists in the field that are ones out servicing our clients. We have a warehouse coordinator. His job is watching all the product that comes in. We have an operations officer. Her job is to work with our customers that are you know, externally while she's within the building. And then we have our field commander. He's basically seen, overseeing all the operations of the day to make sure every day comes together. So a lot of our listeners, a lot of them have employees yep. and there's nobody in between, owner and then employees. Yep. How did you decide to hire someone to be in between you? Really, we stumbled into it. I I can't say like, hey, here's our perfect six-month plan. And had I had a podcast like this available at the time, (laughs) I'll I'll now give you the answers to the test. So what we did is we, it was my brother and I, so it was pretty pretty obvious right from the word go, where my brother was working in the business and I was working on the business. And what I saw there was he was in the field doing the jobs and I was doing operations. So my roles and responsibilities were really sales, operations, and then understanding the numbers when it all came down to it. He focused on the relationship we had with the customers, taking care of the employees when we had one, and and he also had a background and a knowledge of marketing. So between the two of us, we covered the six buckets of business that I, I talk about in my podcast and other places. Once we had those field employees and we got going, we realized after about three crews, four crews, it was more than what my brother and I could oversee because we become a little more specialized in what you do. All of a sudden, I'm doing a lot of networking events, a lot of sales functions. I'm looking at the back end and talking to accountants and the numbers and seeing how the business is coming together. He's running more of the jobs. And then it really had to come down to who is that next best hire? And we found someone who knew computers pretty well, could talk on the phone and really developed an operations role, a role that we had never considered, a role that when we were in the franchise world, they never even talked about. And it really came down to that operations officer role was the really first strategic hire that was not the owners, my brother and I, or the guys in the field. I've heard a lot of people say, first person you hire is a salesperson. Sales, sales, sales. What would you say to those people? And why do you think it's the operations director or manager versus a salesperson? So I made this choice recently where we were rebuilding the team and I hired a salesperson before I built the other parts of the, the business. 
and it wasn't the right choice. And I've made that choice in the past. And the reason why sales isn't the key is because you as the business owner, no one can speak to the business the way you can. It's your job to get out there, put your butt in the seat, get to the networking events, work with the community, where you really set the tone and the culture for the organization. And the sales is the first opportunity outwardly facing person that your most of your customers are going to see. That's not a job or a role that you can train up. You as a business owner have to figure it out on your own how to sell your business. What are the products and services that are really ideal? What is our ideal client profile? That's something when you sub that out, you're not going to be as successful as when you embrace that. As entrepreneurs, we go out, we stake our claim by saying we have the best ideas. Well, now you got to go test those, the- those theories against the market and see what happens and get that feedback. If you start with a salesperson, they're going to go out, get the feedback, and then you as a business owner, you know, you're no longer at the tip of the spear. Mm-hmm. As a business owner, we got to be at the tip of the spear. Mm-hmm. The reason why it worked for us was I stayed out front. I stayed out front doing sales, and then what happened was I'd be at a networking event, the phone would ring, I'd step out, I'd take the phone, I'd set it up, I'd call my brother, he would go do the job or do an estimate, and then I would go walk back in the networking event, and I missed half of it. Because I was constantly being, you know, pulled away. So when we brought in our first person that was really in the leadership role, his background experience was he understood computers. And I'm like, all right, do you know how to answer a phone? And he knew nothing about junk removal. See, the nice thing about operations is for what we do in junk removal or whether you're plumbing or painting, you don't have to have this depth of tactical knowledge. You have to be able to explain it to somebody over the phone as far as to get their name, address, phone number, how they heard about our business, and then establish whether or not we can book a job over the phone or we need to go and do an estimate. Mm-hmm. So hiring that person was key. He always described himself, he was the mortar between the bricks. I'm out there doing sales. My brother's out running jobs. We got other crews. They're all the bricks. He's the mortar that brings it all together. So let's drill down a little bit more into operations. So, so we're going to put... Obviously, we hire the salesperson last, it mm-hmm. sounds like. Operations manager is really the key to go from maybe five employees to more. Yep. How do you train that person? And also, what do they do exactly on a day-to-day basis? Yeah, so their job is to set the tone for the day. So when we look at our role, the person comes in at 7, the rest of the crew is going at 7.15. Their job between 7 and 7.15, check phone calls, emails, voicemails, see if anything happened overnight that's going to impact the day. Mm-hmm. 7.15 to 7.30, we have our morning huddle. That's where they're going to put out any information that's pertinent to the teams before they go hit the road. 7.30, the guys are on the trucks. They're rolling out to their first customers. From 7.30 to 8, that person's role is to look at the day, make sure nothing's changed, double-check the emails, and then really set their day up. Run the reports that need to be ran or set up the reports that get filled out throughout the day. 8 a.m. hits. It's their job then to start answering the phones. Do follow it. From 8 to noon, they're booking same-day jobs, coordinating with the guys in the field. At noon, they start looking at tomorrow, start looking at the map for tomorrow, the jobs for tomorrow, possibly rerouting and, and redispatching trucks as needed. Also, they're taking care of things as they're coming in throughout the day, right? Sometimes jobs are larger than we anticipated. Sometimes they're smaller. Sometimes we're running ahead of or behind schedule. They're constantly renavigating those waters as the day goes. And then as the day is starting to wind down 3, 4 o'clock in the afternoon, they're reaching out to our customers the next day to make sure that they know if we've made a change to the schedule, 4.30, we have an end-of-day debrief where the teams come in, give feedback from the field. We as a leadership team sit down, plan out the battlefield for tomorrow, and 5 o'clock, we close up shop. I mean, that's the perfect day. Now, we yeah. know there's not a lot of perfect days out there, right? <laughs> that's what the Excel spreadsheet says. That's how the day is supposed sure, to go. Sure. And then they're also doing a lot of admin tasks, right? You have to have a certificate of liability insurance out or mm-hmm. someone has to get the mail, right? There's those things also that rolled into their role, and they really end up being the nervous system of the business, right? Sales is the heart and soul. 
operations is the nervous system. When the stimulus comes in, they have to know how to respond so that our guys can take care of our customers. And you just have one so far right now? Yeah, right now we have one because we've changed the role up. In the past, we had two. So we mm. had one person that was more residential, customer service oriented person. And the second person was dispatching the teams and focused more on the commercial accounts. Because the commercial accounts, there was they more nuance. More. They didn't yeah. require, you know, you know that. They're, they were, it's different, mm-hmm. right? When someone has a couch in the basement, we can really navigate that conversation. When you have a commercial client that has multiple buildings and it's the building is different and mm-hmm. It's different. The conversation, instead of a five-minute conversation, it's 15 minutes. Mm -hmm. And so we separated those two roles. Now that we brought in our company president, him and I are really focused on sales, and we handle the commercial accounts, which allows that operations officer to take care of the majority of our residential customers and commercial customers and really be present dispatching. And then the company president and I are doing more of those in-depth conversations with our commercial accounts. So besides commercial, I want to drill down a little bit on the clarity. So you just described really well what they do. What don't they do? What's not in their job description? When they leave the office, it means every other system failed. Mm. If all of a sudden we're calling back saying, hey, we need the operations officer to leave their post, to get in a truck, to drive somewhere, things did not go to plan. Yeah. And I joke, like this happened recently. They're like, well, we didn't want to call you, Andy. I'm like, you can call me. (laughs) If me leaving where I'm at means the operations officer stays put, absolutely. They are the absolute last line of defense. Mm. So what's not in their description is getting involved, right? They have to be the constant. Our they're guys, not technicians. They're not technicians. Yeah, they're now, not supposed the to be thing, out there. The thing is with junk removal, you don't need a technician. Sometimes you need someone to go deliver buckets or deliver mm-hmm. tools or show up with a truck that has more capacity. We don't need that person doing that because what that means is now when the phone rings, we can't take care of our customers, mm-hmm. right? You were living on basically life support when that person leaves the office. Their job has to under be, be able to sit back. I mean, everything in our, our life is run by jobber. So they have to be able to sit back, look at the week view, see what's going on in the battlefield, pull up the map as, if needed. We have real-time tracking with our trucks. Mm-hmm. they got to be able to coordinate all that. As soon as they leave the, the talk, TOC, Tactical Operations Command, when they leave that room, our business starts to suffer. So how many people, what do you call them? Are they garbage technicians? Junk removal specialists. Junk removal specialists. Yep. How many did you have when you hired your operations manager. At the time, we were running three crews, essentially. Three crews. So we had about eight or nine guys. So our teams are two or three. Okay. My brother and I, when we were doing it, we could handle two crews, two or three crews. And what I, what I know in our industry, in junk removal, the owner-operator can handle one or two crews. They can handle the sales operations and even day of dispatch for two crews. As soon as you get to three or four, that's where you start to die. Mm-hmm. When you have that much and that level of responsibility, you start to falter. You start to miss things. And then it's like, yeah, you scale up to four trucks, and then you're going to scale back to three because you're not taking care of the customers the way they need to be taken care of. You're not going out getting the sales. You're not doing all those things. The thing is, I learned this early in my career from one of my mentors, he said, if you're going to be big, be big. If you're going to be small, be small. Mm. And what I've seen in junk removal in particular, and a lot of other industries, is right between three and four trucks is when they start to die in the vine. Yeah. Because the owner-operator can no longer see those operations. And when you're at four trucks, if you have two or three salaried players on your team, plus the three or four trucks, you're basically at a break-even proposition because the guys in the field are covering the salaries of the leaders that you've delegated some of your responsibilities to the owner to. Mm -hmm. So the goal is to get from that two truck operation to five or six 
seven, eight trucks, mm-hmm. and then figure out where it works best. I've been doing a trash talk business podcast for a while. I was involved in franchises for a long time. Four to five trucks is really that sweet spot. It's yeah. the two to four where people really struggle. So it's like get from two, prove it out, get through the third and fourth truck. And then once you have that fourth truck and possibly a fifth or sixth, that four to five, four to six trucks is really a sweet spot in our industry. I think what I've learned over the years is that three trucks is like where you hit a lot of profit, but it's also the craziest. Mm-hmm. And in order to get to the next jump, four, five, six trucks, then you need someone to do operations. You're all, you're around a million dollars, maybe maybe a little bit more at that point. And you're either going to go crazy by managing six yourself, or going to have some structure in place to manage the chaos. Dead on. And yeah. Yeah. So it's a great conversation. We'll take a 30 second break and then come right back. With the quick service clients expect today, you need to get them the quote as soon as possible. That could be the difference between you getting the contract or not. With Jobber, I can prepare and send the quote right from my phone before I even leave their driveway. My clients aren't waiting a couple weeks like some of my competitors. It builds trust, it wins me more jobs, and it all works so smoothly. Smoother from start to finish. Quote, schedule, invoice, and get paid. Start your free trial today at jobber.com. Listeners to the podcast can get a special discount on a new subscription by going to jobber.com slash podcast deal. If you aren't using Jobber, you need to be. Jobber has made my businesses more profitable and more efficient for sure. All right, so Andy, someone's listening and they want to get started. They want to hire their first operations manager. What are some keys to hiring a good first person? Know what your strengths are first. So when you're looking at hiring people, you don't want to hire someone that's the exact same person as you. If they have the exact same strength as you have, then you're going to have two very similar-minded individuals, and then you're going to have gaps and things you potentially might miss. So that's the first thing I've seen a lot of business owners like, if I could just replicate myself. Well, if you replicate yourself, then you're going to end up having somebody else that wants to be a business owner. And when you're looking at the operations officer, look at what your strengths are. And then look at where your strengths can complement somebody else, what has worked for you, and then also where you have some things that aren't as high on the strength scale and what would be ideal with that next candidate. And you can use a number of tools and resources for that, whether it's Myers-Briggs or PI Index. There's a lot of tools out there. You want to have that data, though. I'm all about making data-driven decisions. And when you have that data in place, you better understand what this person brings to the table. Especially the operations person, you need someone that's detail-oriented. That's something that's not necessarily a strength of mine. So mm-hmm. when you when you look for those things in a candidate, there's a lot of other things that can be trained. I focus on all my hires on their will and their desire more than their skills they bring to the table. Sure, for sure. Yeah, I'll also say a lot of our listeners, they are good operators. They're yeah. good operations managers. And so what they actually do, they need to hire someone just like them who is organized. Yeah. But if they're not, like you and I, that's not really our strength. They need to think through, okay, operations director needs to be organized and be able to manage a lot of chaos and be able to respond to customers in a calm way. So those are some of the skill sets that I think would be necessary. And a business owner may or may not have those things depending on what his skill sets are. Yeah, a lot of business owners end up, there's one analysis that I use. It's a prom. It's pioneers, reconcilers, operators, and mavericks. And it uses the XY axis of introvert, extrovert, visionary, detail-oriented. And most mavericks end up being visionaries that are introverted. They're the ideas. That's who I am. I have the ideas. I think they're going to be great. This is how we're going to blah, 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 right? And Mm -hmm. then what you end up needing to do is you need to hire those other three spots, even operators, right? Mm -hmm. And so now you need people that are going to be, whether it's introverted and detail-oriented or extroverted and detail-oriented, you need a detail-oriented person. 
The reason I was able to get our business to where it was from an operation standpoint was because I was obsessed with making things better. I was obsessed with growing the business. If you bring somebody else in as a visionary, they're going to be obsessed with doing it their way. Yeah. You don't need them to be obsessed. You need them to be obsessed with the details because you've already laid out the plan. With, and their yeah. job is to tweak it, understand it at a, a deeper level, and then say, okay, where are there smaller degrees of change that can make a greater impact overall? Mm-hmm. And when you hire that person, they'll see things that you never considered because, especially like with me in Junk Remover, you and what you do with you know grass and gutters, like you know the thing so well, you're so entrenched in it, you mm-hmm. forget to stick your head up every once in a while out of the weeds and see, well... Maybe there's another way of doing well, this. Things have changed a little bit. Yeah, yeah. 14 years of doing this. I wouldn't say I'm stuck in my ways, but I, I'm biased. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I totally agree with that. I think that we have this concept of like doing the same thing over and over and over again, <laughs> and we just don't realize that technology has changed, yep. people have changed, culture has changed, all these different things. I want to take a step back, zoom out a little bit on your on your business. Correct me if I'm wrong. Does your operations director answer the phone all day? Yeah. Okay, so is that your next hire, is potentially having someone who just answers the phone? Yeah, that's so when we first started, that was the role. It was customer service, customer-facing individual, and then it grew into the operations ah, person. And where we're at now in our business, we scaled back, scaled back up, and now we're back running about four to five trucks a day. And as we get here into the summer months, we will scale up, and our goal is to have a second person that can fill in. So whether that's one of our other guys now that's going to cover down, like our warehouse coordinator, for example, he typically steps in when either that person has to step out or he has that next level of depth of knowledge so he can support the operations officer. Really, ideally, I would have two people in that role. So you initially hired him just to be office basically. And then he grew. Was that intentional? Did you know you were hiring someone who had the capacity for that? No, or? When, we, when, we first, <laughs> no, when we first hired the guy that was our first operations officer, we hired him to sell stuff on eBay. <laughs> okay. That was it. Like he was going to Early come. days. Early oh, days. Oh, yeah. I mean, and again, our office was the two bar stools at the kitchen counter mm-hmm. of my brother's house, right? I own the house. We had a 700 square foot garage. He lived there with his buddy who was one of our employees. And at one point there was four people that lived there that all worked for the business and our morning meetings were in the kitchen while Joe was making toast. <laughs> and that was like, here we are. And operations was the kitchen after everybody left and mm-hmm. the other guy was still there. That was yeah. the operations department. Okay. Because I was like, hey, you're in front of your computer selling stuff on eBay all day. How about you just take the phone for the day and figure it out? Mm-hmm. And when we talk about like training or scaling, I didn't know how to train. Mm-hmm. Now I do know how to train. Whether mm-hmm. utilizing video assets and, and standard operating procedures, walking them through scenarios, there's a better way to train. When I first did it, I'm like, this is the way I do it. If you got a better way, please let me know. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of our, our entrepreneurs who are listening are two to three people. Business may not be ready for a operations director, but they are definitely ready for what I call a CSR, someone who answers the phone yep. eight to five a day. When I was in my early days, when I was cutting grass and doing all this kind yep. of stuff, I hated when my client or new people called me, turn the mower off, let it die down. Hello. And pretend I'm in the office. Right. And then I forget, I I lose all my notes and everything later. And so I think the most important hire in the very beginning, as soon as they can't afford it is to hire that person to answer the darn phone. That's all. That's all it is. And and that role is more admin and answering the phone. Yeah. And it morphs into operations. Admin, Mm -hmm. you can sub out. What you said is dead on. That was the person. He had enough knowledge to understand, okay, how many things do you have? How much is it going to take up of a trailer? And when can we fit it on the calendar? Mm-hmm. He wasn't even from our area, so he didn't even understand the map. He had to sit there all day and look at a map. <laughs> right. He couldn't tell the difference between, you know, Muskego and Mequon. And those mm-hmm. two places are very far away, you know, in our Milwaukee market. And so that was his biggest learning curve. 
Mm. To your point, the phone ends up being this ball and chain yes. when you're the owner. You want to get out. When I was going out cold calling, when I'm out pounding doors, the last thing I want to do is get a phone call and then sit in a parking lot for a half hour on the phone and start checking emails. And it's like, I might as well just drive back to the That's office. That's the worst use of your time. Absolutely. You know, we talk, you talk about sales. I, I, I tell people to be very successful. You can be a full-time salesperson working 18 hours a week. Mm, mm. You put six hours in, Tuesday through Thursday, from 9 a.m. to 3 p.m. Mondays and Fridays are set up and knockdown days from 9 to 3, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. As a service provider, you can do all the sales calls, all the one-on-ones, all the coffees. Just crank it out. Right, a couple of networking events, maybe a breakfast or a lunch or an after five. It doesn't take a 50-hour-a-week salesperson for mm-hmm. most of our companies. Yeah. I think when my business transformed again, first time was when I hired the person to answer the phone, yep. 8 to 5. The second time is when I trained that person to book jobs, like get money on the phone. The first time they call, transform my business because now they're a salesperson inside and they're working remotely. That can take two tracks. The person can either go the route your guy did, which is he's boots on the ground, he's local. My track, she went more inside sales track and we'll still need to hire an operations person. But- Getting that person answering the phone and then and then seeing where their strengths go. 100%. And also what the nature of your business is. We've mm-hmm. hired other people to be brand ambassadors. We've hired people to be commissioned salespeople. It has never worked out successfully. Mm-hmm. What has worked for our model is myself, the company president, even some of our guys in the field, go to networking events, cold call, do different activities, including our marketing initiatives, make the phone ring. Once the phone rings, that is the most critical moment in our business. Exactly That right. person on the phone has to have the answers. Do we do this yes or no? Right. Their job is to qualify customers and then lead them through the whole sales process. We don't need to sell people. They're calling us already. They That's need right. jump and roll. They've already identified the need. Their job at that point is to identify the needs of the customer and then show the value that we bring in this organization. One of the biggest things that you see, we have over 600 reviews on Google. And one thing we see consistently is how efficient we are. And it starts with, are you efficient when you pick up the phone? Did you get their information one time and ask it only one time? Mm -hmm. Did you understand what they were saying? Did you repeat back, hey, this is what I understand your project looks like? Did you set up a a job or an estimate within 24 hours? People want now, in the post-COVID world, we get a lot of people that want same-day service. So we've changed our offering. If you call us before noon and you have less than half a trailer, the expectation we set with ourselves is we're going to do it the same day. Mm -hmm. And now not every customer takes us up on that. But almost everyone does. Almost Almost everyone. They like it. What, What ends up happening is from a sales perspective, right, instead of this hemming and hawing, it's you've already asked them what their situation is, what the problem is. You've already identified what your solution is. And then you say, how soon would you like to come out? Instead of leaving it so broad, you say, I can be out as early as two o'clock today. And the people are like, oh, oh, no. No Well, that's great. Uh, How about 8 a.m. tomorrow morning? So now you're not even asking for the sale. Mm. You're anticipating the sale. You've already explained pricing and how the process works. When do you want us to come? And when you do that, the customers leave the conversation feeling satisfied and fulfilled. They came with the need. They have a solution versus, hey, I'll get back to you. Hey, let me write it up. Hey, I'll I'll have my manager call you. You never want to get them off the phone without a next action. We want a job on the books. We want an estimate. Those are the only two outcomes that are desired Mm -hmm. from a phone call conversation. As soon as we get off the phone or stop the email through or even text messages, we text right through Jobber, which is super convenient. Yeah. Because you don't have to fat finger. You can actually type, which I'm old school. I use a keyboard still. When you keep that conversation going, you keep the customer engaged. As soon as they fall off the radar, They're they're calling your competitor.
We've had a great conversation, a lot to unpack here. I would say the three main takeaways that I got, number one is the first hire needs to be that CSR person who answers the phone so you can yep. be doing other stuff. Uh, hopefully that person graduates into potentially either more inside sales or or more of an operations track, depending on that person's skill level and, and abilities, right? Strengths. Yep. Number two, get an operations manager as fast as you can. Maybe four crews or so, three to four, yep. probably around a million, maybe a little less, maybe a little bit more. And then number three is respond quickly to people when they call. Don't tell them you'll call them back. Don't make them wait three days. Book them now, right? Book them now. Absolutely. We will come with a problem. We want to leave them with a solution. And that's all. Thanks for coming in today. That was great. Appreciate your service. Yep. And thanks for being here. No, I appreciate it. Thank you so much. And for your listeners, they want to find me, you can find me on the Trash Talk Business Podcast, LinkedIn, Facebook, all the places. I'd love to hear from your listeners what challenges they're having in the field and how we can all come together to really build out our service-based businesses. The work that you do matters. The community that you're serving there in Wisconsin, they're better for it. Your employees are better for it. Your team's better. Your family's better. Thanks for all the work you're doing. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate our listeners tuning in today. I really hope that you heard something that will help you make your business better, more efficient, more profitable. I'm your host, Adam Sylvester. You can find me at adamsylvester.com. If you like today's episode, please like it and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. Remember, your clients and your team deserve your very best. So go give it to them. We'll see you next time. I'm really grateful to our listeners who tuned in today. I hope you heard something that will make your business more profitable and more efficient. I'm your host, Adam Sylvester, and you can find me at adamsylvester.com. Remember, your clients and your team deserve your very best. So go give it to them. We'll see you next time.